0: What's up everyone, and welcome to Making the Shift. We are an SLP couple from California with three boys and a passion for finding better ways to support autistic kids. I'm Chris, you might know me as Speech Dude. I'm a neurodivergent high school SLP and the creator of the dynamic assessment of social emotional learning, and I specialize in crafting neurodiversity affirming IEPs through my online course. And I'm Jessie, a sensory integration-trained SLP, owner of a top-rated clinic in Los Angeles, and the creator of the Inside Out Sensory Communication Programs for Parents and Therapists. Join us weekly to learn neurodiversity-affirming ways to support social-emotional development and regulation in autistic kids. Are you ready to make the shift? Hello, everyone. Today, we are talking about my best tips for supporting sensory seekers. I will tell you, I do a lot of work with parents, with other professionals, and this has got to be one of the biggest questions I get. It's got to be one of like the biggest struggles that I see families having is that they have a child maybe who's a sensory seeker, and they really feel like they need help. And then of course, teachers in classrooms, it can be really hard for them when they have sensory seekers in the classrooms and lots of teachers asking for support there. So first of all, let me just give you a quick reminder of when I say sensory seeker, what I mean, because I think that this term is getting more and more widely known, which is awesome, but also it does mean something very, very specific. and that comes from Dr. Winnie Dunn's framework if you haven't caught our our episode with Dr. Winnie Dunn you can go back to it you could watch it you could listen to her talk all about these different patterns and Sensory Seeker is one of those patterns so what makes a Sensory Seeker are two different components coming together one is that the child has a high threshold for sensory input. Okay, we can either have a low threshold or a high threshold for sensory input. Sensory seekers have a high threshold. That means it takes a lot of stimulation to activate them. It takes a lot for their nervous system to register it. It takes a lot for them to get bothered by sensory input. They need a lot. So they have a high threshold. They need a lot of sensory input. The other component that makes a sensory seeker when paired with the high threshold is that they are active in their self-regulation, meaning when something happens, when they feel like they either need some kind of sensory input or want to move away from a sensory input, they will do that immediately. So child feels like they need to move, they get up and they move. Other kids might sit around. You feel that kind of like bubbling up in your system. Like, yeah, I could probably use a break to take a few steps. Talking about myself here, (laughs) right? Some of us kind of like are just sitting back and we start to feel like, yeah, I probably do need to move a little. I would probably feel better if I did. But we wait a little while. We act on it later. It's not that we never get up and move. It's that we don't have that same immediate response that someone who has active self-regulation would have. Okay, so a seeker has this high threshold and this active regulation. When those two things are paired together, that is what makes a sensory seeker. So, Because they have a high threshold and active self-regulation, it totally makes sense. The kind of, you know, behaviors, quote, behaviors we will see from a child, meaning just the things we will observe a child doing, meaning seekers usually look like the kids who are just nonstop on the go, always on the move, seems like they can never get enough input, That's usually how, you know, parents will describe seeker, their seeker kids is I feel like he's just never getting enough. He's just go, go, go all the time. I can't keep up with him. Teachers teachers might say that seekers are just really hard to, you know, sit down in the circle and do the classroom activities. They're always on the go, always fidgeting, always trying to move, always, you know, maybe creating sounds to get more input auditory input, touching things constantly, touching the desk, touching the walls when they're walking, touching their friends, anything. So seekers are constantly trying to get input. So that is why we see them constantly go, go, go on the move. Here is what is hard for seekers. Sameness. Seekers do not want sameness. Okay. When we have these everyday routines, they're always the same, very mundane. That is not enough stimulation for them. Okay. We are thinking that they have this big cup that they need to fill of sensory input. And when we are doing the same things in the same way with the same toys and the same routines and the same people day in and day out, it's not stimulating for them. It's not filling their cup. So they do not like that. Seekers as as Winnie Dunn explains, seekers brains are geared to detect novelty. They want to find what's new and what's exciting and they want to create these experiences for themselves. They are always looking for new 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 different different different. So that's why when we have kids in the classroom where the routine might be the same every day, or maybe the parent is trying to set a routine at home where everything is the same, or maybe you as a therapist is trying to set a schedule so that everything is the same for them in a therapy session. That's why we feel like it's never enough for them. We feel like we're just um, that they're never getting enough of what they need. So I can't, help, but think about Chris when I talk about sensory seekers, because he is absolutely a sensory seeker. And I will tell you things that would not work for him would be things like having a job where he has to do the same thing every day, coming home and doing the same thing every day after work, eating dinner at home every night, um eating, like having a meal plan where we have like Mondays or pasta, Tuesdays or pizza, like that stuff would drive him crazy. He would not have fun living that kind of like routine lifestyle. What works great for him is going to new restaurants, having different plans, having a work day that looks different every single day, going on vacation to different spots. Okay. Like we'll go on vacation, and it would be my dream to have a vacation home one day. Okay. Have a vacation home. We always go to the same place. It's our house, but somewhere else. I would love that, right? We get to know the people, we get to know the restaurants, whatever. And it's funny because sometimes he talks about that, like he will entertain that conversation with me. But in my head, I'm like, you would never be happy doing that. That would not be fun for you. You don't want to go on vacation where it's the same thing every time. He'd way rather have like a timeshare where he could use it in all different cities, all different places. Like he never wants to do the same things. When we go out to eat, he wants to go to different restaurants every time. Um, When we get in the car to drive somewhere, he wants to drive a new route. Like I am the, tell me how to get there. I'm gonna go there that same way. Like I will drive home from work the same way every single day. Even if there's traffic, I would still drive home that way because I would rather just like, make my life easy, and go home. But him, it's really fun for him to try new routes and do new things. And he would drive home in a million different ways every day. Okay, so why am I telling you so much about my personal life? Because we need to think about this in our seeker kids, right? And if you're thinking about, okay, what should I not do at home if my child's a seeker What versus what should I do? So you want to try to, and I'm not saying routines aren't good for all kids like I think routines are great for kids so I think like having a general structure of your routine is great this is obviously a parenting decision I try not to um consult or coach people on how to make their parenting decisions but I'm very much a fan of routines in general like generally speaking like timelines like okay coming home from school chill time dinner time homework time bath bed. Right. Um, but with a seeker kid, you will want to have different experiences in there. So maybe your depends on the kid. I was going to say feeding is kind of a, a different one to get into because, um, your child might really like eating the same foods consistently. Okay. But maybe you are having them do lots of different types of activities at home. Like, Maybe if you've got time before bed where you guys usually play, you can be playing with either either playing new games or playing with old toys, but in new ways, doing things where they are getting lots of different input. You really want them to have lots of intense sensory experiences, lots of movement opportunities, lots of opportunities to experience this input that they really love. So rather than just trying to do things every single day the same way, um, same activities, same toys, same everything, see how they do if you are providing them with lots of different types of experiences and see if you feel like that is really helping them to fill their cup. And you could think about it the same way in therapy, which is trying to provide them with these intense sensory experiences in therapy. If we have them come into therapy and we are like doing a schedule where everything's the same every time, that may not be fun. Um, But maybe when they come in, we always sing the hello song, but we sing it sometimes you know, on the swing, if you have one, sometimes with spaghetti arms, if they like that, sometimes rocking with hugs, sometimes with musical instruments, right? We can change the way that we are singing hello so that they are getting different types of input because that is going to fill their bucket, remember? Because if we are just giving them the same thing every time, that cup is gonna remain half full, like how I did that. Okay, maybe less than half though, it's just not gonna be enough for them. So if you are playing with a lot of the same toys, trying to play with them in new ways, trying to do things that are different, really trying to stimulate their their senses in every way that you can, okay? And what this is going to do for a seeker is when we can give them those experiences, when we can get them to fill their cup, when we can get them to um, get that input that they really need that is going to be what is going to get them regulated and then what is going to get them engaged what is going to get them having fun and ultimately what is going to get them learning so i hope this was helpful i hope you learned some new stuff about sensory seekers and can't wait to hear how this all works out for you so make sure to keep me posted If you enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe, write a review, or share it with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.